Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to tonight's The Dash. And uh, my name is Dawn Wright Oliveris, and I feel like it should be Pawn because tonight is all about peas. And so my friend Peter, he cheated. Um, he is here with me this evening. Are you not? Peter's here. Peter's here. I am pleasantly here. <laughs> pleasantly. Yeah, we we have uh, an interesting an interesting day today to to share with you guys, and um, this all started because of Barb, who's also and she's Barb, <laughs> told us about her new job yesterday, and uh, she got to be a scientist, and we talked about uh, patience and perseverance and persistence, and those three P's um, actually did some things for me today too, and uh, and and Peter knows that I've been working on something for five months. Every week, a little nudge. Every week after that, a little nudge. Um, and, oh, I swear we're going to do it. I swear we're going to do it. I promise we're going to do it. And, you know, Peter, there's so many people who would just give up. And I really think that, and you're the one who said just be pleasantly persistent. There's another P, pleasantly persistent. And uh, and I said, I'm doing it. I'm being pleasantly persistent, even though I wanted to, like, you know, Get up, maybe. something. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. And I know, you know, 17 applications later for jobs, Barb, Barb was frustrated. Yep. And, you know, I can tell you that it's not always easy to be patient and persistent and persevere and be pleasant all at the same time. So you work for it, and you finally got it. So yay! And for those people listening in, we run regular business as well. Radio shows aren't just the only thing that we do. So we start early and we end up late. And being pleasantly persistent is one of those things that we have learned how to do. And Dawn did it on her side. You mentioned Barb. We sometimes remember that not everybody gets a chance to listen to us every day. Well, I want to hear the Barb story one more time for those people who we don't want to leave out out of this pleasant and persistent and performance model that we're going to talk about. So can you give us the little Barb story? I could listen to yeah. the story every day. I could, too. I could tell it. She's my hero. Um, I can't help it. And uh, All right, so just a little backstory. I've known Barb's family since we were in seventh grade, and we're in our... You know, we're in eighth grade now. <laughs> we're in our forties now, and uh, and her daughter came home with my daughter Susie in, in sixth grade, I believe. When I met her, um, Barb's husband, as he was in my seventh grade class. So, like, I've known these guys since we were kids, and then our kids brought each other home, and then Barb's husband Peter, he died. Um, he went, he got into a motorcycle accident, and he was two years in a coma, and we're walking through this with her, and uh, and Peter died. And when Pete died, it, it was really tough on Barb beyond the norm because Barb also, with Pete, had a, uh, a daughter. Her name is Summer, and Summer was born without most of her brain, and uh, she wasn't supposed to make it a year, and she's 16. And so... 24-hour nurses and, um, you know, a whole lot of, you know, two parenting requirements with three kids, one of them being this, this seriously beautiful, happy, yet very disabled little girl, um, Barb was on her own as a single mom with, you know, a, a daughter, Madison, who her her whole, like her son and her moon set and rose with Pete. And uh, so when he left it was really a very big hole, and so Barb, um, you know, we she she did what she needed to do to get through it, and she licked her wounds, and and her and I became closer and closer friends, and uh, she made her decision a little while ago that she was going to go ahead and put herself through college, and she went to her kids, and she said she had so much extra free time. Yeah, 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 exactly. She had lots of free time, and you know she. She knew that it was something she always wanted to do. Her dream was to be one of the doctors without borders. She wanted to be a doctor. She wanted to be a scientist. The whole concept of helping people and, and helping people get well um, was just, you know, it's been on her heart a real long time. And so she she talked to the kids. The kids said that they would be supportive and that she could go after her dream. And she went after her dream. And in May this year, at her graduation, she burst out into tears and admitted to her kids that 
the reason that this was so absolutely huge for her, beyond what everyone else had thought, she had quit high school because she was a single mom and she had her she had Richard super early and she just couldn't do it. She couldn't push through it. Everyone had thought that she graduated because she didn't want her kids to be quitters. So not only did she go and get her degree, she got her she got her GED and then put herself through college so that she could never look at her kids in the eye and be a liar. So this was huge for her. I mean, absolutely huge. May was this, like, I mean, most of us would never, ever, ever get to the other side of that story. And let me tell you, it's been a really, really intense couple years. You know, there have been times where, you know, I've just, I've told her straight up, you know what, you're going to take care of me. I'm going to need you. You have to be my doctor just so that she wouldn't jump off a bridge, you know. It's a really, really, really long haul. And um, so the other day uh, we we had her on on the show because she was telling me the story She's always, always wanted to be a Bowringer Ingelheim scientist. Like, she just got it in her heart and her mind. She wanted to do it. And, you know, last year, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, Barb really wanted to go to Peru. And she needed something like epic spiritual, just epic, epic spirituality. And so she made the decision that she was going to go and uh, that if she was going to get through college, that she was going to go to Chichen Itza, or excuse me, not Chichen Itza, Machu Picchu. And uh, so she, you know, she, and, and we're talking against all odds, had to find 24-hour nursing care, had to make sure that everybody was going to be okay and safe and that everything was, was, was I's dotted, T's crossed. And she almost quit three or four times just trying to get the thing that was going to get her through to the other side of the degree. She needed this break. She needed something that, that gave her some proof. And so she went and, you know, I've, and you guys got to go to da- the dash radio.com. You'll see the pictures of Barb, you know, up on the top of, of Machu Picchu. You'll see her jumping out of an airplane on her birthday this year. You will see her graduating and loving on her daughter Summer. And so yesterday I get a phone call, and uh, well, actually Saturday I got a phone call. Saturday I got a phone call that sounded a lot different than yesterday's call, and Saturday's phone call was defeated. Saturday was sure that Saturday wasn't going to get this job. <laughs> Saturday was certain that her credit check failed. That I said, Barb, if a credit check isn't going to be make somebody be a, a, a good or bad at medicine. And if they looked right now at the state of America, we would most certainly not have any doctors <laughs> if they were working based on somebody having a late electric payment. You know, this is not what's what's going to make or break this job. But she was just so down to the dumps. I said, that's it. I'm not listening to you anymore. Get up. In the morning, you're going to get up. You're going to go to work. And she said, what? I'm like, yeah, you're going to go take a shower. You're going to get ready. You've been in bed with pneumonia, another P word. For the past two weeks, she's been in bed with pneumonia. I said, you're going to get up, you're going to take a shower, you're going to get in your car, and you're going to go to work. And you're going to go to work every single solitary day until they let you in the building. And she thought I was crazy, but she said she'd do it. And I had her laughing. And I said, as long as you're laughing, all the way to Bowringer Ingelheim. And so yesterday, I got a call and she was screaming and thanking me for not letting her give up. <laughs> but she's the one who did all the work. I, it's really easy for me to go, go Barb, <laughs> sit here. She's the one who got up and took a shower and went to work to a job she didn't have yet and uh, waved to the security guy three days in a row, um, who's got to be wondering who that lady is that keeps pulling in and pulling back out again in the morning. Um, so I'm going to definitely have to get her to have a picture of this guy when she goes in for her first day officially. But, um, you know, she has just been just one of those people in life, Peter, that reminds me every single day why we do what we do, you know, because, you know, as the coaches, as the people who – who, you know, we, we we do the work, we learn the stories, and we go through enough ourselves, and then we just feel passionate about the fact that we have to tell the story, and we gotta we got to tell it over and over because there's somebody out there worthy that's listening that the story is going to give that extra nudge, that, that just that little extra bit of belief and faith that says, you know what, you can do it. No matter what it looks like right now, no matter how bleak, no matter how exhausted you might be, you might be mopping the floors going, you know what, 
this is dumb. I'm not doing this anymore. There's no point. I, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. And then it does. And it does because of you. It does because you believed. And sometimes you might not believe. Sometimes I might believe for you. Or Peter might believe for me. You know, um, and that's the really important thing, you know, is having that lifeline. I think, you know, Peter and Barb have both been my lifeline. And I know that I've been Barb's, you know. And I think that, you know, being able to plug in with people, there's another P, plug in with people, um, who will go ahead and be your stake in the ground when you're feeling wishy-washy, you know? What do you think, Pete? Absolutely. Well, if you don't, if, the thing with Barb, she did obviously a lot of things right. She she went to school, she passed the test, she showed up. That's where the persistence shows up. She did a lot of things right. So the everything else that she did with, you know, driving to work and visualizing and not giving up were really important. So you highlighted the first couple, patience, persistence, Performance and Bob. Oh, but we didn't talk about the seventeen times she applied. Right. Why well, don't you tell him about that? Well, yeah. So this gal, we call her Barb, really wanted to work for this company, and she did everything she could, which would probably be she overcompensated. There were seventeen <laughs> different. There were seventeen different positions, and she applied for some that she was qualified for and she qualified for some that she was not qualified for because she wanted to get a start somewhere with this company. So she did everything she possibly could. So I'm trying to find the P word that would be like the overproduce or something along that line, but she really overcompensated because she was full out and totally committed towards what she was looking for. And she got the job that she was looking for, certainly now qualified for, plus bonuses, plus they threw in some other stuff and I think even helped her with school. So you can talk about how sometimes you're rewarded as a result of being overly persistent. But what she did, which was really key, was she made she, she put herself in the position that that can happen because none of this would have happened on if she wasn't pleasantly persistent with, um, with applying, if she wasn't doing the stuff to pass the tests, if she, if she wasn't doing this stuff, to have that passion for what she was doing. So we could throw in a lot of peas into, into this relationship, but the reality was <clears throat> it was a combination of a lot of things that kind of came together. So right. most of the people that I know, and I love, I'm not, I'm, I'm not someone that does it as a profession. There are some people that <laughs> did. They studied successful people. I'm an amateur observer relative to, like, what is your story? I love to hear the stories associated with people's um, eventual performance and getting the stuff that they're looking for because inside that story is really the key. And there's hope, and it's a wonderful ride and a wonderful journey. But if you really start to think about it, everybody kind of goes through it. So let's talk about that. You pick the word, Don. You want to start with patience, or you want to start with persistence, or you want to start with performance. I would say it doesn't matter where we start because we got an hour. We're going to talk about all of them. So which one do we want to start about? <laughs> There's a which lot of one? Let's, which let's one? start with performance. Yep. So uh, oh, I, me? You want no, me to start I could, with performance? I could, I could cover that one. You ready? Yeah, you go. Okay. So I have a little thing that doesn't include as many Ps yet, but it was <laughs> the three characteristics that I look for or the three characteristics that I need to keep and develop, and they were attitude, and then coachable, and then apply what we teach. So attitude, coachable, apply what we teach. And apply what we teach means are you going to talk about it or are you going to do it? You know, saying yes and doing yes are two very different things. So the apply what we teach fits into what I call your performance P. So you got to do it, and you got to do it on a – persistent basis and when we say perform you got to kind of figure it out learn all the obstacles you'll have to overcome uh, obstacles are the things that many times we see when we take our sight off our goals that's a little cliche but also somewhat true and the reality is you just got to do it what are you going to talk about it or are you going to do it so when it comes to performance many times performance doesn't necessarily take a whole bunch of extra talent in the business world Sometimes performance doesn't take a whole bunch of extra, you know, lucky breaks. You keep kind of swinging at it. You just work above average in many things, and then you'll be able to perform. So in 
in, in this book, it's a little bit different from perhaps, you know, let's talk about the performance of like a Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Lance Armstrong um, obviously did some things to enhance his performance that he didn't necessarily <laughs> tell the truth about. But <laughs> you know, hold on a minute. I gotta say, well, come on, man. The guy is like, I mean, he was. Uh, sorry, I have an issue with this whole thing. You know, back in the day, we just didn't put that kind of pressure on. It was okay back then. When when did he actually say that he did that, Peter? Oh well, he said that he didn't do it a lot, meaning take the steroids or the drugs or the performance enhancing substances. And then he finally, just recently, kind of came clean. As a matter of fact, if our or listeners... Did he finally just say, you know what, okay, he fine. Just did, matter of fact, he just did with Oprah, and she's probably airing the show in a few minutes. So okay. the, the reality was, is for a really, really, really long time, Lance Armstrong was very persistent in saying he didn't do the performance drugs um, when, admittedly, it looks like now he's probably going to have to come clean. Or patronize whoever wants him to say it so that he can have his life back. Well, yeah, he's got to do that because otherwise he's never going to have any chance to make some extra income. That's right. But but here's the problem. At At the Lance Armstrong level, many people had to do performance enhancement because the Mm -hmm. competition was razor thin. Mm -hmm. It really was the slight edge principle. A slip up one way or another, being able to have the extra boost might mean difference. And that's the cutting edge that people at that level have to deal with relative to performance. I love Olympic sports. I love watching Olympic swimming. I love watching like whether Ryan Locke, who's a Florida guy, or the other one, you know, the Phelps, the Phelps guy, when they, when they touch the wall by maybe a fraction of a fraction of a second, or if you ever watch IndyCar or NASCAR racing, or you're down here in Daytona and you see how they won it by a nose, or you watch horse racing and they win it by a sliver, or if you've ever hit your goal and it happened in the, like the very, very, very last minute. Those are the cutting-edge performance that, by the way, most of the time are not the performance we're talking about. We're mm-hmm. talking about the, the doing the right things long enough persistently because the goal that you had on the deal that you just landed didn't have anything to do with performance drugs at the razor edge cutting end of the nose type of thing. <laughs> no. It had everything to do with pleasant persistence. And the yeah. good thing about that is I can't win seven um, Tour de France's like Armstrong did, and maybe you couldn't, but we could all win at a business. Right. So, and see, now Armstrong, he's being penalized mm-hmm. for, for um, I can't think of a, a P word, but for for tweaking his performance, okay, by by utilizing other substances to get there. There are people every single day who are, you know, they're doing the next right thing, okay? And that's where perseverance and, you know, that, that little bit of planning, that little bit of poise, and that little bit of perseverance and just going after it one day, the next day, the next day. Um, you know, and and then pulling back, knowing when to pull back, because sometimes you could put too much pressure on something and push it away. So there's that moment where, okay, I've got to be persistent and I've got to persevere and I've got to be patient, but I got to know how to poise myself properly so that I don't push them away. So let me pull back a little bit so that I'm just doing just enough to keep them keep me in the back of their minds. And to be quite honest with you, Pete, there are times where, you know, the the, the, the ain't nothing going on but the rent, man. What do you mean i got to be patient and persistent and have poise and not put too much pressure? What do you mean? Peter, who's, who's going to buy the groceries? That's right. Patients ain't going to buy the groceries. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people have been in the situation where you got to do what you got to do, but I always mm-hmm. say, what puts you there? So what put you in that position where now you got to do what you got to do and is was there a way to avoid it? So when it comes to performance, the reason why I use the Olympic sports, the reason why I use the NASCAR, the horse racing, the Lance Armstrong type of things is there's a lot of pressure 
on performing at that bleeding edge, at that unbelievably, like you're fighting everybody against the world, it seems like, or at least the other people that join that race kind of a thing. And that's not necessarily the everyday stuff that you or I might be dealing with. Because if it had to be that way, then there would be so few winners and so many losers. But with a lot of the things that we do on a regular basis, that positively doing the things that you know you're supposed to do one day at a time, a series of successful days gives you a good week. A series mm-hmm. of successful weeks gives you a good month. They've a got seri- their paybacks. Right. A, su- a series of successful months gives you a good quarter. Then it gives you a good year. And then you have a good couple of years and a good decade. So it's that level of performance that we're talking about with all of the things that you can still go through. You don't have to win every race. You don't have to worry about being like the best in the world. But for most of the times that we find that people are successful, and I know for, for me it's been that way, and lots of people that I've worked with, it's that patience of understanding that process, and it's that persistence that eventually makes you that continuous performer. So let's talk a little bit about the persistence and what it might look like when you're doing it. Now, we said, Don, you know, both you and I, we're, we're, we're working regular companies mm-hmm. as we do a lot of the things that we do. And on one of your projects... Um, you've been going after some, and, and you know you don't have to go through the whole thing. Or if you want to, you probably could anyway. And but the reality was, is you've been working on a couple of accounts for a long period of time. And if you take a look at the sales cycle of how you introduce a product like the one that you're introducing, um, you don't necessarily go in there, and it's not really like a one call close. It's kind of not like you know I showed up. Maybe you should buy my product. <laughs> well, see the interesting thing. I mean, I, there are like we're salespeople, Peter. So you know we're hunters. You know, and some days we're going out and we're bringing home a rabbit. There are other times where we're going out and we're going for buffalo. You know, and it takes two radically different um, people to go after rabbit and buffalo. You know, you're looking at a completely different. Um, a completely different type of mindset when you're going after these. The sales cycles are different, and the people that you're dealing with at these places are very, very different. So what I was going after this time was actually for a very large grocery store chain. Um, for those of you who know about Savage Smokes, it's a non uh, it's a non-smoke shop. <laughs> I went from two packs of Newports a day down to one electronic cigarette. And I am thrilled with this particular brand of e-cig and that you can go and look at the reviews on Savage Smokes if it's if it's of interest to you. But, you know, this was a huge account and it wasn't even something that I intended to do. My son was actually dialing for dollars and he makes a phone call and he says, hey, have you heard of Harps? And it's a big grocery store chain. They've got 60, 70 some odd locations. And, um, you know, when when somebody has 60 or 70 locations that they are in charge of, they can't make the same knee-jerk, hey, I'll give it a try, that somebody who has one store, and maybe it's their store, or, you know, a manager of one store, or they, you know, they can pick up the phone, call the owner, hey, what do you think about this? But somebody who's in charge of 60 stores or 70 stores, and Peter, you were in charge of a lot when you were in charge of Electrolux. Sure. That, you know, that's a totally different decision-making process. So why don't you go a little bit into that? Well, the, the thing is, when you take a look at the sales cycle, you also understand, like we just said, that it wasn't a one-call close. You just don't show up, and the guy says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. And then also you take a look at all the obstacles that you might face, and the guy's got, if he's got 60 different stores, he's probably jugging lots of stuff as well. You're not always going to be the main priority. You might be in your mind, but certainly not in his. <laughs> and there's lots of things going on, and it's real easy. So I'm going to give you the punchline in a second. It's real easy to form the wrong conclusion that would distract you. So I have figured out a long time ago, so this is like the one of the Peter Mingles quotes out there, that unless I know all of the variables, <laughs> chances are any conclusion I draw is probably wrong. Mm-hmm. So unless I know all the variables, chances are any conclusion I draw is probably wrong. It might be real easy for someone to draw the conclusion, oh, he didn't call me back. 
oh, he didn't answer my email, so therefore he's not interested. And then I always have to say to myself, well, wait a minute. I don't know all the variables on why he didn't call me back. I don't know all the variables on why he didn't follow up on email. I don't know all the variables on all the other stuff that he probably has to deal with personally as well as business-wise. So forming the conclusion that he's not interested would flat out be wrong. So I'll be pleasant and I'll be persistent and I'll continue to follow up. And Don, most people never do. So they form the wrong conclusion. They say, oh, well, he hasn't called me back. He's not interested. Or he didn't follow up that email. That means he's not interested. And worse than that, okay, so I'm going to get on my sales management pedestal. (laughs) This is where most managers, upline, superior, coaches, counselors also get it wrong because they say things like, if he doesn't call you back, that means he's not interested. If he didn't do the email, that means he's not interested. Oh, only follow up or, oh, 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 here we go. This is for the sales rep that would be kicked out of my course. Because he didn't go through that process, he's now disqualified. He's not worthy of my time or attention. I'm like, are you kidding me? I know. Unless, unless you know all the variables, any conclusion you drew or draw is probably wrong. And as a result of that, that's why you pleasantly, and you did, you pleasantly and persistently went out and eventually, I don't know when the sperm and the egg was relative to when the baby was born, but the reality was it's been a few months. It's, it's not been a- four and a half months. I mean, four and a half, and and actually it might have even been a little longer than that. I think it was sometime in August when that first telephone call was made, and and I mean, mind you, you know, I've been I've been repping this product for a, a year and a half, over a year and a half, and friends of mine have all tried it and they loved it and were really rooting for me when I went from two packs of Newports a day to this electronic cigarette. And you know, the, we really love this product, and it's something that I was really excited about doing because you know, I have a lot of people in my life and a lot of family members who died of cancer and who you know had heart problems and. I was getting, you know, my mom was 46 when she died, Pete, you know, and I I hit my 44th birthday and started to have panic attacks. So, you know, I looked at it and said, you know, I need to make a shift. The paradigm shift had to occur. You know, my my head, I love to smoke tobacco and I couldn't be friends anymore. What could I do? And, um, you know, I went to, I went looking for my alternative and, and the things that I could go ahead and, and, and be happy with as far as, you know, I, I knew that quitting, I gained 30 pounds, and I, I became a little porker. There's a P word for you, porker. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> a little plump side, there we go. <laughs> so I would pillage in the refrigerator <laughs> for anything I could plump up with at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I uh, I decided that this was my way to go, but I, I went through five different brands of USIG. I didn't like them, and then... I found this one, you know, and we found one or two since then, and uh, we've put, we've actually done reviews on them. But, you know, this particular brand I thought was the best one on the market, and so for a couple of months we made some phone calls, and we thought, you know, let's let's see what we could do about getting, you know, doing some business. And and here's the thing, I'm all about, you know, everybody knows, and maybe maybe everybody doesn't know, but we've all heard the stories about putting all of our eggs in one basket. You know, and and because we this whole week has been about utopia, there's nothing like when your basket gets um, smashed on the ground and there's no more eggs because you put them all in one basket. And uh, people like you know we like they like the the term diversify, but really people don't really get what diversifying looks like. And so, you know, I know that I've always been somebody's very loyal. I'm a, a customer loyal person. I'm I'm not somebody who jumps from program to program. I don't do ten things all at one time. But it is always important to have some fallback income and to do things that, you know, hey, this really I like this, this makes me happy, it's something that I can get behind. I'm gonna do a little bit of this so that I have this over here and that's gonna be over there for me when I need it. And then, you know, I'm going to go do a little something over here that's going to be there for me when I need it. Because as entrepreneurs, we don't have 401K, Peter. Right. You know, as, I as wish we did. A level of security. Well, yeah. some, sometimes when we do this, <clears throat> you know, we talk amongst ourselves. 
and some people might listen in. So let me kind of put some of the dots together as we're speaking. Okay. Um, Dawn uh, found a product because she was looking for a, a specific product, and the opportunity might fit. So there were lots of connections in different ways. And she was very passionate about it because she used the product, and she knew that a lot of other people would be interested in stuff as well. And, Dawn, why don't you give them the website that you guys have developed? So okay. I don't want to leave a lot of people hanging here because there probably are a lot of that are either smokers or know people that smoke. There's a lot of people when we say e-cigs, they may or may not know what this means. So let's not leave these guys hanging. Because, okay. It go is ahead. A, and you can look at the reviews and you'll see that green smoke is my absolutely favorite electronic cigarette and uh, to give you the 30 seconds an electronic cigarette it, it delivers nicotine and you pick how much and it actually goes ahead and puts this liquid through in a little electronic system that creates vapor and so the nicotine vapor actually fills your lungs similar to the way smoke does so you get that authentic drag you get nicotine delivered to you. You can wean off the nicotine or you can choose to stay on the nicotine. That's up to you. You're the adult here. But if you're if you're not wanting to inhale carcinogens, you want a different alternative. You can't smoke at work. You can't smoke in the car. You can't smoke where your kids are. Can't, can't, can't smoke anywhere that you are. And you want something that, you know, you can hop into a bathroom and it's not illegal. <laughs> it's a really, really cool alternative for smokers who don't want to give up smoking but do want to give up either getting fired or getting, you know, getting one of the other things that they could get for continuing to smoke tobacco where they're not supposed to smoke it. And it's a unique product. It's relatively new kind of, but you're seeing a lot of advertising for things online, and you were looking mm -hmm. for the right one, and that's how you settled on that specific branding. Yes. And. And, you know, for all of, like, I'm a non-smoker, and I'm a pretty avid non-smoker, meaning, like, my, everybody around my family smokes, and I just never did, and I'm really not sure why. Um, but I just don't like the smell and all of that other sort of stuff, and I may be kind of sensitive to it. But this is a great product because I have seen, like, you know, you guys are using this stuff all over the place around me and things like that, and I don't know, you you plug it in, it's so funny, you plug it in, I mean, you got to plug it into your computer, for the power source and stuff like that, and it's really kind of weird. And I watch the people, like, yell and scream, like, oh, my gosh, they're smoking in that hotel room, and they're not smoking in that hotel room. It looks like they're smoking in that hotel room. You know, we, and it, it's almost like, you know, people look at you because I, I watch, you know, and I'm watching this stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe she lit up in the restaurant. She didn't light up in the restaurant. One of these days. I would, never, what, do right, I would never. never do that. I know the rules, right? Like uh, I know yeah. the rules and I'm not wasted or anything else like that. This is an electronic <laughs> cigarette. What's wrong with you people? That's but right. The, but the fun thing is is that it's a really great alternative. And, you know, no medical claims, but a lot of the stuff that's bad about cigarettes would obviously be the other stuff that's in the cigarette besides the nicotine. Mm -hmm. So for those people that like the, the experience and for those people that want to stay maybe healthier and those people that want to do all these things, this is a really neat thing. And I looked at it from the marketing standpoint. I'm like, you know, this is really a wonderful product in the regard that it's got a huge market, in the regard that I can see it would serve the need. And there's a lot of things that happen. You know, I remember the people in my life when they say, I have to smoke because if I don't smoke, I gain weight. So it's a great overall product for people that are looking for that, although I'll probably never be someone that starts smoking because I want to try an e-cigarette. Those people <laughs> that are going the other way around it's a really it's a really great product that fills a need. And I was reading something in the newspapers just recently that that market is going to be as big as the traditional cigarette market in the next few years by some of the Without projections question. that people make. So when you started doing that, I said, wow, this is really wonderful. It can be marketed through email. It can be marketed through whatever. And one of the ways to be able to market it would be in retail stores. So that's where the screech comes in. Uh-oh, hold on. For someone in the sales cycle that may be just a regular person, they might say, oh, I'll try one. But for someone that's got to now worry about retail space, for someone that has to worry about budgets, for someone that has to worry about a lot of those other things, then that persistence and that pleasant and that 
uh, patience really comes into hand because you have to realize, and I use the term, you're pregnant with that process for a while. Mm-hmm. And if you are not pleasantly persistent for those bigger accounts, um, then you're probably not going to get the sale. So, you, you know, you, 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 you're sowing the spring and then you're reaping the summer or the fall. You don't always reap the harvest in the same season that you planted. That's right. Hey, you you go on for a minute. I'm going to go see who's calling in and wants to talk to us. You got it. All right. So while All you're right. doing that, you can do that. So so that's part of the thing as far as patience is concerned, and that's really understanding your process. Now, what does that also mean? It could mean the same thing whether you're uh, teaching kids how to do schoolwork. It could mean the same thing whether you're working with employees. And there was a term I used a long time or a term I, I learned a long time ago relative to working with other people and being patient. It doesn't take any talent to fire or let go, or or let people quit. It takes talent to develop. And maybe for me, that word talent was a word that meant something because I didn't want to be considered somebody with less talent. I wanted to be considered somebody with more talent. And when there was a situation where maybe somebody would be let go or fired because maybe they did something wrong, as long as it wasn't like over-the-top wrong, maybe they made a mistake, maybe they misappropriated, maybe they were lazy, maybe they did something wrong because of shortcuts or any of those other things, I had learned that it didn't take any talent to fire. It took talent to develop, which is almost like a challenge on my side. So patience was going to be one of those virtues that I knew I'd have to develop as I was working with lots of other people over time. So patience, persistence, performance, those are some of the big P's. Here's some of the challenges. What do you do when no one else is looking? (laughs) Right? I mean, isn't it kind of hard? Am I doing it the right way? Am I doing it the wrong way? What do I do when no one else is looking? Am I doing it all by my own? Do I have that faith that I might be doing it correctly? And therefore, the next P might be got to find a partner. Like, got to find a partner, got to find a running buddy, somebody that probably believes in you um, the same way that you do. So this way, they'll help you with that patience and that persistence. And relative to Barb, you were her partner. In many mm-hmm. ways, it's relative to that little bit of support that she could bounce off of when she lost her vision or maybe when it was normal to feel down. And by the way, it would be normal to go through the emotional swings. If, you, if you're not going through those emotional swings, then you're probably not normal, like you're delusional. Because if you really want it that much and you really, 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 really want it that much and it's your heart that you're desiring, now you know perhaps why the Lance Armstrongs of the way could allow that passion and that desire to cloud his judgment relative to perhaps telling the truth. So tough situations sometimes. It's not always easy to be a leader, but that persistence, that patience, and the performance is obviously some of the things that are going to separate most of us. And the cool thing about it is most, the average person can probably do it. If you really look at the um, most successful people on the planet that I've been able to kind of study, they were You know, let's use the cliche. They were ordinary people that did extraordinary things. So they weren't always the brightest, the smartest. They probably were human. They had enough faults or, you know, vices, but they just banged out it constantly all the time with the right purpose. So, Don, back to you. I totally agree. You know, I think there's there's so many things that that having a partner, you know, and back in the day when we were all little and in the pool at summer camp, there was that buddy system, and I learned a lot about the, the the power of the buddy system or the power of partnership. You know, um, there's there's the synergy that comes in in the power of the partnership because when I'm down, you're not down. Now, don't pick a codependent partner because <laughs> one plus one before. doesn't equal two sometimes. No, no. Sometimes it's like not even one and a half. <laughs> so, so you have to be careful when you're choosing your partnerships. And, you know, because you love somebody doesn't make them the perfect partner for you. They always, you know, sometimes we got to be a little bit selfish. And I know that, you know, I'm as somebody that I'm going to have this, oh, Dawn said we have to be selfish. But <laughs> there are times... That yes, you got to be selfish. Um, you know, there are times where you know what I need to know that my partner can not only keep up with me, has as much or more of a workaholic work ethic than I do. Why? Because 
I I know that if they don't work hard and I'm working all the time and they're making just as much money as me, I'm going to eventually burn out from resenting that. I know that if I go ahead and I'm doing all the pulling and I'm doing all of the hard labor and they're eating bonbons, you know, with the clicker on the couch, that I'm going to burn out and get really resentful of that. Um, and and I, can you tell I've been experiencing this, not recently, but I have had this experience in my life sometime. If you're a super hard worker, maybe maybe you're in network marketing, 25 years in network marketing, and you get into business, and every time you get into business, you outproduce your sponsor, okay? People, people sell, Peter, one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life is when I'm being tried, somebody's trying to bring me on board a program based on spillover. I've never received spillover in 25 years in networking because I Most of the only... times you didn't want it anyway. Right. Most of the that times was you didn't just want in my anyway. way. It was a terrible thing. One or two people just totally took my top position, you know, and now I'm going to go ahead and make them a lot of money, you know, instead of helping somebody that is a strong partner that I can go ahead and, and partner up with that's in, my, in the top of my organization. So, you know, it's something that is um, – Choosing, being picky, picky about picking your partner is is a positive thing. It is not a um it's not punishable. It's it's very important. <laughs> so you can emphasize the P wherever it fits in the word. I can, I can, yeah. Well what what you were saying was um I've I've identified as like they call it the law of exchange. And that if somebody's out of exchange, bad things are going to happen. So here's the interesting thing that I've found, because I know you, Dawn, are a performer, and I know I'm a performer, meaning like people like myself and many people probably listening in, are, we're just always working. So we're, this is kind of like the things that we are. And there, believe it or not, there are people out there, Dawn, um, that like to be lazy. I mean, like they like it. Like this is really great. I get a chance to do nothing. It's their goal. It's their goal. And I don't, like, thank gosh, I guess maybe people like that are out there. But, I don't have that goal. Yeah, I've, I've never been there. Like, I'm always busy <laughs> doing something. Matter of fact, I'm so busy doing something, my battery's draining. So hold on, I'm switching <laughs> phones. Hold on one second. Okay. And and it's the truth. He forgets to eat, and and so do I. You know, i got to tell you. Like, I'm here. Okay. You know, I was just talking about how you forget to eat, so the the the, the ringer on oh. your phone isn't that big of a deal. Oh yeah, no. The, what happens? Yeah, just so you know, for guys like me, like we're always on the phone, we're always working and stuff like that. So I always have multiple headsets charging at any given time. Mm-hmm. So uh, so your ability to, your ability to be successful sometimes is judged by how quickly you can transfer from one phone line to another. So, anyway, <laughs> so having, having said that, especially and and you know I'm like the Mr. Magoo of technology. So mm-hmm. but if it means a difference between either missing a deal or not missing a deal, I never miss that one. You know that happens <laughs> right there. But it's when we were talking about the law of exchange. I have had it many times where I already know I'm a performer. Like, no one has to worry about, like, is Peter working on this project or is Peter doing this? Because that's just what, like, Peter does and that's what Dawn does and all of those types of things. But there's another type of person in the world that may not be the same way. They may be made up a little different, and that's okay. But here's what happens many times. I know what's happened with me a lot relative to performing is when if you're out of exchange with someone, like if you've done so many things, like in my regular business, I've helped companies survive, like make it, like go through all the bumps in the road. And whether we charged or we did it for free, that's kind of like the stuff that we do. And then all of a sudden, because we were so far out of exchange for the good, it kind of backfires sometimes. So you really have to watch out who you partner with and who you do your mastermind with. And it's almost got to be like kindred spirits, it's got to be a really special combination, and it may not necessarily be with, you know, it might, it might not be your your partner, like a wife or whatever. Maybe you pick your wife or your husband for a different reason, or or maybe it's not necessarily your secretary or your sales manager over here. You might have to find that special person that you'll be able to work with, and once you do, then make sure that you grab onto that because that's something that could be a lifelong thing and something that's cherished. So, Don, I always cherish the relationship that we've been able to develop because I look at you as being one of those lifelong partners, a performer that understands the law of exchange, and I know you're working and we're working, so one plus one can equal ten, as mm-hmm. opposed to sometimes in those negative relationships where one plus one equals minus three. So 
when you find them and they're out there, but there's not very many of them that just kind of match and blend with you, then make sure you go out there and develop that relationship because that's really something special. It can help a lot of people, including yourself. And I think that's I think that's really something that I prize. And unfortunately, Dawn, you know, sometimes, you know, the people come, sometimes come and go in your life and there's, you know, what happens in this decade might not be the same thing that's happening in the last decade, but you are where you are at that moment. So be present for when that happens. <laughs> that's right. You got to be present. You and you, you present. do have to be present, guys. You know, there's there's something very powerful about, you know, finding that, that perfect person, that perfect partner. And and Peter's right when he says this, you know, him and I met and and sometimes the timing is, isn't perfect. Because when Peter and I met the first first time we met, we we got along, we liked each other. We'd known of each other for a while, but when we first started to get to do some business um, from another project that we were working on together, it was an uphill climb. Remember, Pete? It was well, like, oh, my, com- my compass was focused this way, and your compass was focused that way. Yeah, it just so. there we weren't like the points where the dots were not all connecting, and so, um, you know, sometimes that's the thing about pulling back. Sometimes you just gotta know, you gotta be willing to look and say, you know what, this isn't the perfect situation right now, and you know that this is the responsible thing, is to pull back. And, you know, and you part company in that particular place and time for that project. And then you turn around and three months later, there's this, ah, and, you know, (laughs) you're like, ah, this was the thing. This was the thing right here. So it's it's not always exactly the first time that all the stars aligned and everything is absolutely perfect. Sometimes it's the second time. Sometimes it's the third or the 17th time, back to Barb, that you put that application in for that particular thing, and that's the job. That's the project that that partner was there, or that's the partner for this particular piece of time or place time project, okay? It's it's really everything has to align and it's something that everybody needs to be really comfortable with that you know, especially as an entrepreneur when you're in business for yourself, you have a couple of things going on at bare minimum. Okay. You know, if you're an entrepreneur and I mean I have I, I, I would say that for the past ten years of my life I had two to three things going on at any given time at least, right, Pete? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to, and there's always going to be components. So if you have a really big project, that one project has 10 or 15 things going on within it, you know, Um, which is similar to the Dash and the things that we're putting together for this project. I mean, we've got courses and we've got books and we've got the radio show and then we've got consortiums and we've got, you know, there's there's so many different pieces of this one project that – you know, and there's teams and there's people that are very specific to different parts of the project, but they're not the whole project. You know, so you know you have to be patient. You have to be willing to take the time, take a breath sometimes, stop trying to force square pegs into round holes until everything comes through, and that's when you'll know. And you'll always know. You'll know. You know. You don't have to force it too hard. You just stay persistent, be calm, keep your poise. <laughs> Back to poise. Yep. And what's the there's a there's a term that I use called or that I learned a long time ago called a multiplier of zero, and we talk about these variables as if they're like a multiplication equation, a times b times c times d equals whatever, and if you want those positive results, you have to watch out for where is my multiplier of zero. So if you have a string of variables, like we talked about persistence, and we talked about Patients, and we talked about performance, and then we talked about the importance of running partners, and we talked about the importance of other things. Where is that multiplier of zero? Like where one of those variables would be zero. So here's the question wouldn't that negate everything? And in one of the regards of where is the multiplier of zero, who you pick as a partner or running buddy might be. So selection is important. If you're not patient, that might be a multiplier of zero because you could do everything right. But if you're not patient with the process, you don't understand the sales cycle, that could just be the multiplier of zero. So always remember that these things have to kind of work continuously, and it's probably not going to be something that comes together overnight. 
it might take a lifetime for you to kind of put together the right way. So when you find the right ones, make sure you grab onto them and make sure you use them. So I always look for, okay, so where's the multiplier of zero? Because, Don, let's use you and I. If you bring the wrong guy or the wrong gal or whatever, the wrong partner, say, for instance, on the call, say, Peter, I really like this person. I want to bring them on here. But they're for the wrong chemistry. Everything can fall apart. So the multiplier of zero, what do we do relative to the chemistry of having this whole thing go together as well? Because that sometimes is even more important than some of the other things as well. So it's tough. Now, what we're suggesting is this just doesn't come together by accident most likely. It's probably something that's calculated. It's probably something that's planned. Some of it is happening, you know, by itself because you'll attract the people that you're looking for. But that's where the persistent comes in always working towards that common goal. Like we said yesterday, the definition of success. Success is the progressive realization of that worthwhile goal or ideal. So when we talk about utopia, utopia may not be something that's a big blast, you know, like that big bang, bam, it just happens. It's something that probably is going to develop over time. Great. Absolutely, it develops over time. And, you know, guys, I have Darlene sitting over there, and she's she's quietly just listening. Darlene, um, I know that you're just listening, but I'm going to call you in because, you know, I think that, that you've been very persistent, very patient, and you're sitting over there just waiting for an opportunity to maybe have something to say. <laughs> we had nine minutes left, and I have a feeling you may. Well, I'm always got <laughs> And I'm going to handle an awkward moment in advance. You ready? Uh-huh. Darlene is so pleasantly persistent towards pushing me to do certain <laughs> things. I don't want to give her the opportunity to pleasantly persist me on this call. <laughs> yes, I won't. <laughs> Dar- Darlene, I am, I am probably... Darlene, yeah. One of the things that I am proud about myself is that when I... I'm like a pit bull in many ways. When I get my teeth into something, I'm not going to let go of it. And mm-hmm. that's uh, and sometimes it's also in reverse when something gets a hold of you, it's not gonna let go of you, and that's the way that I feel about the project that I'm working with that um, I was led or inspired, stimulate to develop the ideal network because the thing that I have found is that what most people don't have is that trim tab and passion that guides them to make appropriate choices. And so what is the foundation that keeps that trim tab, if you don't know what a trim tab is, I'll explain that, but um, it keeps guiding us. And I had to come up with something. And so anyway, to make a very long story short, I looked at common denominators, that's what I started writing my mission out. What is it? What are the common denominators that everyone on the planet is really after? And um, I started writing out, um, uh, well, let's see, what do I do every day? I started tracking my daily uh, activities. And Okay. Hope. Hold on. Did I hit something? Hold on. Bev, are you here? I am. Hi, Dawn. <laughs> Hold on. I think I hit the wrong button. I was calling Bev in, and I ended up, I think, hitting the wrong one. So sorry about that, darling. <laughs> and, and, Bev, you're here, too. We've got, we've got seven minutes. Have you heard our peas, our Minding Our Peas episode? No. No, oh. I'm new and excited to be here and, uh, you know, so I, I wanted to listen and hear what you guys were doing and I'm so sorry I'm so late. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, people are starting to feel bad that they're late for our show, Peter. I think it's working. That's right, you should feel bad. So make sure you're here 10 minutes early tomorrow. Yeah, that's fine. Bev's doing okay. But l- let me just share with you, Darlene was in the middle of something before we cut her off. Right. Darlene, could you do us a favor? Could you? There's a there's a story behind you, that's that started that really got you kind of lit up. And I know that I feel like I I got a bullseye on my chest because I am part of the stuff that we do in my regular stuff. 
is part of Darlene's grand picture. So she is so pleasantly persistent, almost to the point of pummeling me. That she, <laughs> we have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this, and we're inching together for it, and not fast enough, but that's one of the reasons why she's here. But Darlene, just tell us a little bit of the story and one of the reasons why you're lit up as much as you are relative to the to stuff you're doing with the Ideal Network. Um, I'm not sure where I got cut off. Did uh, you hear me saying why the, what the word ideal stands for? We lost you there. Yeah, we, okay. lost, you. we well, lost you almost when you got started. Okay, that's um, with, I needed to find a way, the common denominators that all of us get persistent for. What is it that makes us a pit bull? That when we get our teeth into something, we hang on to it, or it hangs on to us. And what are the common denominators? And so I started tracking my what I do every day. What is it that I do throughout the day, every day? And so after a couple weeks of doing that, my husband and I were sitting down writing down what we were doing. And I started writing out, I do everything around. And then, you know, and then I started listing the things that I were doing my life around. And I finally, I, I, I do everything around, well, staying alive, you know, live. Uh, and life, uh, and then you know, I'm always trying to build loving relationships, and so pretty soon I was writing. I do everything around love. I do everything around life. I do everything around liberty. And my husband looked at that and said, "Look what you've written, Darlene." I said, "What?" He said, "You wrote the word ideal. Look at the initials." <laughs> and I said, "Well, that's exactly what we need. We need a philosophical base." that gives us the direction we're heading in that keeps us persistently on that track. That trim tab of our subconscious and our conscious are completely aligned, and we're heading in that direction. And so everything that I do, I can test, is it giving me more life? Is it giving me more love? Is it giving me more laughter? Um, Is it building better liberty? So I have a measuring stick that, that I continually am working towards. And and so I think that's what gives us the ability to stay persistent is when we know we're heading in the right direction and you know when you get off track, you just have this inner, what I call the solar plexus, this gut feeling that says something just ain't right. I'm just not getting the results that I normally get and et cetera. And so that's where, you know, the passion and the purpose has to align in order to keep that persistence. So I hope that helps. Absolutely. And and we've worked together for a while. We've worked together for a few years. And I've seen where partnerships are really important because sometimes we pick either the right or the wrong person, and that can kind of derail or deflate or kind of put you in the wrong way. And sometimes that happens. And it's just a matter of when you find the right combination of the right people to work with, then that's a really magical thing. You can do magical stuff. So uh, Darlene would be able to say, hey, listen, sometimes I've worked with the right people or sometimes I've worked with the wrong people, and working with the wrong people could put you back six months or a year. Yeah, but your gut always tells you if you listen, and if it's not, if what we're doing in the partnership is not moving us forward towards life, love, liberty, those things that you truly desire, then it's time to dump that relationship. You know, you don't have to, you know, make it, you know, you can put them on the back burner, so to speak, as I call it. But with, I've, I've created situations where now I work Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. I have Tier 1 projects, and Tier 1 projects are the only thing I work front line with. Everything else, somebody else has delegated the responsibility or whatever, and they or then I will network with them. But... You, you you have to set your priorities in order to stay persistent. Otherwise, you become overwhelmed. Absolutely. And that is all we've got. We're going to get cut off in the middle of saying, Puh. so thank you, so, guys. Su- submit your P request. To submit where all, your P requests. all your P requests. <laughs> all the words we forgot to mention that would probably fit. <laughs> so Dawn doesn't have to emphasize a P in the third syllable. In- <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> All right, guys, that's it. Hey, I'm going to be on a plane tomorrow. I don't know if we're going to pre-record or Pete's going to be on his own, but uh, you guys got to show up and, and, and visit with him tomorrow because I'm most likely going to still be in the air when the when the show goes on. So make sure you come and call in and harass him, okay? All right. I can do All right. that. All right. Bev, you too. Okay. We, uh, right. you guys, thank you for inviting me. Sorry to be late. No problem. No problem. We'll do it. We'll do it next week. I know that you have some really important stuff you wanted to talk about. So next week we're going to get a little bit. We're going to be out of utopia a little bit and into some really interesting issues that are going on. You know, we we get a lot of phone calls. We hear about it all the time. So next week we're going to start talking about some issues that need addressing out there. Take care. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you guys, and Pete, we'll see you here tomorrow. Bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye.